Before we open the scriptures together, I want to simply invite you to consider if maybe your story is a little bit like Lindsay's, that you've known about God and you've known about Jesus and you've heard about the cross and, and that you know you are a sinner, but there's never been a time where you would go, I know that I know that I repented of my sin and I trusted in Jesus to be my savior. It's not a process. We don't come to Jesus little by little by little. There's a moment in time where a person is born again, where Jesus makes them a new person in Christ. And so in conversations with Lindsay, even prior to Easter, I know she was wrestling through that and saying, I've heard and I've understood grace and I know it's not rules anymore. But a defining moment where I believe in Jesus. And so maybe you're not there yet or maybe you really related. And so I would just encourage you this morning to ask yourself, do you know that you know that you have trusted in Jesus to be your Savior, that you were born again. If you have questions, don't be ashamed of those questions. We all end up with questions in that process. And so I want to encourage you to be sure of that, that you have been born again, that you don't just know about God, that you are in relationship with him. You're not just keeping some rules the best you can. You're in relationship with him. That is what it means to be born again, to be a child of God. And when, when we are born again, it genuinely is true. We are made new people and he begins to change us from the inside out, not us changing ourselves from the outside in, him changing us from the inside out. And I believe that as we look at the scriptures this morning, And we do so with a humble, open, responsive heart. He'll change us as well this morning. So to that end, would you bow with me? And let's simply invite the Lord to be our teacher. Uh, Father, thank you for giving us your word. And thank you for the sending of your son to be our sin bearer. So that you would do for us what we could not do for ourselves. That we might become the sons, the daughters of God, not by our works, but by your grace. We ask, Lord, now that as your spirit speaks truth to our hearts, that we would become more like you. We want to display your glory as has been declared in testimony this morning. And so, Lord, here we are We have ears to hear. Would you speak to us in Jesus' name? Amen. So let's turn together. If you have a copy of the scriptures, either a hard copy or on an app on your phone, turn to Mark chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 33 this morning. As Jesus has an encounter with his 12 disciples that is not hard at all to understand, but it is so countercultural that it's going to definitely, I promise you, definitely challenge each of us in our own relationship with God. So Mark chapter 9, if you're there, let's look in verse 33. It says, 
they came, that is Jesus and the 12, they came to Capernaum. And when he was in the house, he began to question them. What were you discussing on the way? Now, two comments before we continue. So they had been walking together, but the disciples were having what Jesus calls as a discussion that he was not a part of. What I find interesting is this, is just earlier in chapter nine, it had said that they were arguing with the scribes and Jesus said, hey, what were you discussing? And so in this situation, in verse 33 here, when he says, what were you discussing with them? It strikes me that actually they probably were doing what? Arguing. And he wants to know, hey, what were you arguing about among yourselves? But they're a little embarrassed because it says, but they kept silent. In other words, nobody wanted to be the person to say, here's what we were arguing about. And here's why. For on the way, they had discussed with one another which of them was the greatest. So who wants to admit that to Jesus? Hey, what were y'all arguing? Uh, well, Peter was saying he was the greatest. And what'd you say? Uh, I said I was the greatest. Really? What'd the other guys say? Well, they said they were the greatest. It's kind of a funny conversation. Not, not funny in, in one way, but it's almost hard for us to imagine followers of Jesus now for multiple years saying, I am the greatest. And, and one of the other apostles, you know, the guys to whom Jesus said, you're going to lay the foundation of the church. One of those guys saying, you're not the greatest. I'm the greatest. And one of the other guys going, you guys think you're the greatest. I'm the greatest. That's hard to imagine, isn't it? And they're like, uh, I don't want to admit to that. But that's, that's the real conversation. So here's what happened. Sitting down, he, Jesus calls the 12, and he says to them, if anyone wants to be first, Paul's there. What do they suddenly know? He knows. He actually wasn't asking because he was ignorant. He was asking because he wanted us to admit what we had been arguing about. He knows. And you can imagine the heads go, ugh, that's embarrassing. Ever been something you've been afraid to admit to God? Little secret for you here. He knows. Some of the, it's like, Oh, I don't want to admit it. He knows. And he's not saying, hey, I want you to say it so I can rub your nose in it. He's actually saying, I want you to admit it so that I can bring truth in to that moment. If anyone wants to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. And in case they miss the words, he gives an object lesson. You know, I love that. He takes a child, he set before them, and taking the child in his arms, he says, whoever receives one child like this, in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, 
does not receive me, but him who sent me, which is who? Yeah, God the Father. He's going, all right, see this child here? When you receive this child, when, when you're willing to treat this child like you would treat a great person, that's when you've captured the father's heart. Now, here's what strikes me about this conversation. That when Jesus confronts what they've been talking about, he does not rebuke them. He doesn't rebuke them for the discussion. Did you notice that? He doesn't say, hey, all that talk about greatness, cut it out. All that talk about greatness, I don't want to hear that anymore. We didn't want you to hear it the first time. (laughs) He does not, don't miss this. He does not rebuke them. He doesn't correct them for a desire to be great. That's fascinating. What does he do? He does redefine greatness. And this is super significant because actually, I think God would be delighted for every man, every woman at Christian Family Chapel to long to be great in the kingdom of God. As long as we understood what greatness is. I want to be great. Excellent. Greatness is doing what? What's the first thing he says? Greatness in the kingdom of God is going. Greatness in the kingdom of God is going last. Now, can you imagine the reaction? If make this real now, I want to be great. No, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. No, I'm the greatest. All right, guys, you want to be great? Greatness is going last. Oh, well, you be great then. I'd love for you to be great if greatness is going last. Now, I want to make an observation about something else he doesn't say here. Because this is really what whacked me in this passage. He does not say, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, let others go first. He says, if you want to be great in the kingdom of God, do what? go last. Folks, is there a difference between not going first and going last? Huge difference. I think lots of you are willing to go, oh no, you go first. Oh no, no, go ahead. You too, you go ahead. Okay, enough. (laughs) Right? Aren't you willing to let a few people go, but reluctant to go last, that's a big difference. I see my, find myself in that in traffic. Oh, no, you go. No, you go. Okay, that's enough. Now I'm going. <laughs> you and I are probably okay with not going first. But what whacked me by Jesus in this passage was he doesn't say, hey, don't go first. He says, go last. And I am fine with being third. I'm not fine with being last. How about you? You, Can you connect to that? 
I missed it. I knew this passage, but as I sat in it, marinated it, and I was like, oh, okay, this is different. It's like when I realized I thought I had taught my kids to be kind by not being unkind. But being, not being unkind is only about halfway to kindness. There's a, there's a whole lot more to kindness than not being unkind. There's a whole lot more to greatness than simply letting other people go first. It's called going last. Do you catch the difference there? Does that challenge you? That super challenges me. See, it, it's a recognition that I am not more important than others. Again, I would be glad to say, I don't have to be most important, but there's a difference between saying, I'm not most important and that everybody else is more important than me. Because I would rather go third, because that feels kind of good. Oh, no, 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 you go, you go. Okay, now I go. That felt good. Uh, It's the difference between being nice in the kingdom of God and being great in the kingdom of God. And the vast majority of us, if I can just speak honestly to us this morning, the vast majority of us are just okay with being average in the kingdom of God. We don't have to demand to be first, or maybe not even we don't have to demand to be second. But very few of us are really prepared to go last. To really say that everyone else is more important. But look, Philippians 2. Do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit. How would you do that? Oh, because with humility of mind. See, it all starts with what do I think about me and what do I think about others? Humility of mind. Regard one another as more important. More important. How, how many others? Everybody else is more important. Lord's confronting. The Lord is confronting this morning. I'm absolutely certain. And all of us are being okay with allowing some to go first, some to go in front, but a reluctance to go last. Do not merely look out for your own personal interests, but also for the interest of of others. So, you want to be great? Sweet. Do what? Go last. And what else did the text say? Not only go last, but be a a servant of all. Be a servant of all. In other words, nothing is beneath me. See, the, the all is part of the kicker there. The servant of all. I'm okay with serving some, sometimes, some places, somewhere, but servant of all, nothing is beneath me. Jesus, Jesus is training his disciples. So, can I have your eyes for a moment? I want you to hear me clearly. Don't hear me the way the, and if you would permit me, the old Lindsay would hear me that says, Hey, be more acceptable to God by letting other people go first. Be more acceptable to God by going last. 
be more acceptable to God by serving. That's not what I'm saying. There's nothing that could make you acceptable to God. Only Christ has done that for you by his death on the cross. When you trust in him, then the Father sees you through the lens of his son, Jesus. Then you are acceptable in his sight. Then you're a new person. Then you're a child of God. But listen, are you a child of God? If you're a child of God, what he's saying is then you need to learn that that which is great in my kingdom is a willingness to go last and to serve all. It's challenging us to grow up in our willingness to think of others as more important than ourselves and to think that there's really nothing beneath me. Now, so there is serving all is a character issue. But I want to show you something. When Jesus talks about serving, I have this picture in my mind from Psalm 127. So this one, Psalm 127 says that children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. It's a great picture. Children are like arrows in the hands of a warrior. And if we have trusted in Jesus, who are we? Children of God. And this picture that talks about children to parents in Psalm 127 gave me this vision of the fact that you and I who have been born again, we're children of God. And therefore, we are like arrows in God's quiver. Isn't that a great picture? You're like an arrow in God's quiver. So here you are. And the reality of an arrow, there's three parts. There's this shaft, there's obviously the point, and then there is what we call the fletching. You might think of as the feathers. If you're a warrior and you're grabbing an arrow, what are you checking first? Yeah, I'm checking, not for sharpness, I'm checking, is it straight? Because if it's not straight, we're done from the start. Check in whether it's straight. And that is, and as I understand it, that's my character. See, all of us come to Christ twisted and perverted and crooked, right? And the work of God is the straightening of us out. The bringing our character into the character of Christ's likeness. Serving all, going last, are character issues. Did you catch that? that that's part of what Jesus is refining here. But, but I want to talk a little bit about the rest of the arrow. The rest of the arrow, you have this, uh, the point, and I believe that that is what the Bible says is our spiritual gift. It's the place where we make impact, whether it's our gift of teaching, our gift of leadership, our gift of service, our gift of administration. It's what we do in terms of making impact. The fletching, I would associate with our unique passions, what some have called a, the holy discontent. In other words, what is it that that burns in God's heart, what is it that God wants to do on this planet that burns in your heart as well? That you would say, this, this is what, above all else, this is what I would want God to do on this planet. 
And here's what I want you to capture. Jesus is saying, hey, you want to be great? You want to be, be the best arrow in the quiver? Then your character needs to be addressed. Your willingness to say, hey, I'll, I'll go third. I don't want to go last. Or I'll serve. I just don't want to serve all. That's a character issue. So that's what I'd check first. But if you were a warrior, what would you check next? The tip or the fletching? I would have actually, uh, before I, my son started shooting bows, I would have always thought, well, you check the tip, man. You want to see it sharp. It's going to make impact. Actually, the second most important part of the arrow and it flying straight is after the shaft is the fletching because the fletching if, is what makes the arrow spin and fly where it's intended to fly. So you could have a straight arrow but not fletch and it not fly straight, even the arrow is straight. Here's the application I want you to capture this morning. So many of us, when it comes to being a servant, we ask, well, what's my spiritual gift? This, this answers the question, who I am to be, what, what should I do? What, what should I do? But I would suggest to you that you would ask first of all this question, where, where might I serve in the sense of where do I long to see God work? What is it that burns in your heart that burns in the heart of God? Does anything come to mind? That may be a new question for you. But if you are a child of God, then God has placed his spirit in you and understand that he wants to shoot you out like an arrow. Not shoot you, but shoot you out like an arrow. And he wants to shoot you out according to how he has uniquely made you. Yes, in character, you're willing to serve all, but in specific, you are uniquely made by God. Maybe it's in your experience, maybe it's in your own, maybe it's been what's happened in your own life, but every single one of us, there's something that burns in our heart that burns in the heart of God. For example, I was baptized really early as a kid. I trusted in Jesus for eternal life. But it wasn't until I was in high school that I heard a man say, the Jesus who walked the pages of this New Testament is alive and living in you and wants to live his life through you. And he talked about a relationship with Jesus while I was on this earth that was dramatically different than, hey, Jesus, just get me to heaven. And God opened my heart as a teenager to what it would mean to live out the Christ life wrapped in my human flesh. And in that process, what God calls to burn in my heart was this longing that other teenagers who had grown up hearing the truth, hearing the gospel, going to church, who have accepted Jesus into their heart, who think they're going to go to heaven, but are bored 
and totally really disconnected from living out their faith on a day in, day out basis of understanding that Jesus is alive and living in them, giving them all that they need for life and godliness to be used by him. And God just opened my heart to it. And I had in me this longing, Lord, I don't know how that would happen, but I wish, Lord, I would long that you would use me to impact other teenagers to understand life in Jesus. And so I went to a camp where other young people were. And I shared my testimony as a way, hopefully, and I cried like a baby. Some of you know this, sir. I was, I was so scared. I wanted to impact teenagers, but the worst thing you could ever do to me in life is to make me stand up in front of talk and stand in front of people and talk. I was so scared. I got like 20 seconds in, I started to cry. And then I just wasn't a little tear. It was like, (laughs) you know, really like ball like a baby. And those students all were like, laughed at me, seriously. And I felt like such a failure. Except the camp director came up and he said, Doug, I know this is going to sound crazy to you, but I watched you this week, and I think actually God has given you a gift to speak about spiritual things. And so though you're freaked out and it made you cry, I think you should keep doing it. Don't, don't let those tears, don't let your fears cause you to shrink back. I would have never, listen, I would have never in my wildest dreams believed that God would give a gift of teaching to this chicken. But what happened was this. He put something in my heart and I said, I don't feel capable, but but I want to make a difference there. And when I went to where he had put in my heart to make a difference, he surfaced a gift that I didn't know, I didn't believe, and freaked me out. So I think lots of us get stuck with, well, what's my gift? What's my gift? What's my gift? Stop. What burns in your heart? Is it marriage? Is it the fact of all the divorce? Is it orphans? Is it that there are people in the world without the scriptures? Is it there are people in the world who've never heard the name of Jesus? Is it people who don't know that there's an option to life and end up aborting babies and it just breaks your heart and you know it breaks the heart of God. Is it that God's name is not in our, in our schools? See, God has put something in your heart and I want to say to you this morning, don't shrink back. Don't go, I don't know what I would do. No, no, stop. Step in to where God is burning in your heart. Because, and it's not just something that you're interested in. It's something that is in your heart that you know because of the scriptures, it's in the heart of God. Then just say, Lord, I'm here. I'm available. I'll be a servant. I don't know how I could make a difference, but step into that area. And I am confident that God will bring to the surface, maybe it's been there and you just never knew it or you thought it was there you were just scared to exercise it but I am 
absolutely confident that God by his spirit has gifted you in ways that you don't know because you've been waiting to go, what should I do, what should I do, what should I do? And I am saying, step in to what God has caused to burn in your heart and see what he surfaces. Don't wait. And please, don't settle for average. See, Jesus didn't condemn. I want to be great. Don't settle for average. Say, I'm willing to do, Lord, in this. This is from you. I feel like I'm insignificant. I don't know how I could ever make a difference, but I believe it's from you. I'm going to step into it. And who knows what God will do through you and through you. And who knows what God will do through you. But there's no ache like the ache of a missed opportunity because you shrunk back in fear because you didn't know exactly what to do. Go where he has put in your heart. If it's children, go with children. If it's unreached, then go to the unreached. If it's poverty, then go with the poor and see how God would use you. Who knows? Who knows? But God has made you an arrow. And he longs to shoot you out for the sake of his glory and his kingdom. He longs for you to be great. So seek to be like him. Go what he's put in your heart. (laughs) And you'll find out what he's made you good at what he has divinely gifted you to do. Can you picture? Can you picture where God has made you? What God has made you good at? See, uh, I I love, I can just show some quick pictures here. They're not great pictures, but this is a picture here of Alpha. And I love this because Alpha is people sitting around a table talking with folks who aren't yet following Christ about spiritual conversations. And we can tend to think, oh, so Alpha is for people who are good facilitating conversation. Oh, that's just a small piece. There are people who cook meals because nothing opens up conversation like good food. Serious, right? Right? Not store-bought stuff, so some stuff, good food that was prepared. So you have a, a good conversation in an environment that has been prepared by gifted people for facilitating of conversation by gifted people. See, just don't think there's only one thing to do. There's all sorts of opportunity. When we do trunk or treat right here, and it's people who say, man, I want to reach kids, but I can give candy. I can pack bags. I can cook meals. I can do art. I can dress up like a superhero. I'm creative. Some of the coolest things happen because creative people say, hey, I might not be the best person. I may not be an evangelist, but I love to make an awesome trunk that kids are like, that is so sweet. Don't think so small. Just ask, what has God put in your heart? And then show up, go, and then you'll begin to see what God makes it. Brian Lewis, he's a father of 10 kids who just... He's a kid with kids. If you know Brian, man, that boy loves to play. 
He's gray, but he still loves to play. And he is phenomenal in the front yards in power-up clubs. And we have other people like him. But you know, power-up clubs is so bigger than people who are great with kids. Power-up club keeps all sorts of people. So is it in your heart that children, because maybe you came to Christ when you were a child? Is somebody reached out to you? Is it in your heart for kids to hear the gospel early and clearly and in a dynamic way, but you're not good with kids? Then host, then come and cook, then help bring cases of water for power surge. There's all sorts of ways. Don't get so narrow in your thinking, well, what would I do? Show up with what God has put in your heart and you'll begin to see, Oh, this is where I see God working. You have a heart for the poor and you have organizational gifts, thousands of shoeboxes that get sent around the globe by a gifted organizer. You have gifts of intercession, prayer. (laughs) You couldn't make a trunk look exciting at all, but when people walk by all these trunks, then we just set up a booth. Want prayer? Yeah. Lots of people wanted prayer. Gifted people praying beside gifted creative artists, beside people gifted with engaging kids. See, it's the beauty of the body of Christ. But ask the question, What has God caused to burn in your heart? I hope you don't dare get to your house. If you drove with somebody to church today, before you get home, don't you dare get out of the car without having turned to the person and go, so what burns in your heart? I'm curious. And I'm not sure. That's all right. Start there. I'm not sure. You know me. What do you think burns in my heart? That's a great question back. Because sometimes we are able to see stuff in others that we would never see in ourselves. If it would have been up to me, the crybaby in front of those young students, I would have never gone back again except somebody saw something in me that I was not able to see in myself. See, you can do that for somebody. Maybe you love the fact that we have teachers who love Christ in our public schools and teachers who don't yet love Christ in our public schools. But you want to just say, we're glad that you pour into students. So we have a whole partnership with Mandarin Middle. We have folks who create gifts for them and go and serve them just as a thank you. Everybody loves to eat. But some of us have real gifts to be able to hospitality to serve, to make a difference. And and when I see our guys at Power Surge and at lunch on the lawn and stuff like that, when over a 900 degree grill and cooking, I'm going, man, that is so awesome. That, That is making a difference for the kingdom of God there because they are serving up conversation, right? They're serving up spiritual, they're serving up encouragement. They're serving up opportunities for connection. We have ladies who buy food, organize food, clean kitchens. You want to be great? Just ask what it is that burns in your heart. And, And go there and see how God has gifted you.
and you don't have to be an adult. I love our, our students at our last work day. They're like, we don't need no ladder. We'll just hold this guy up there, two of us high, and let him cut off a limb. We don't need to wait for a ladder. It was awesome. I was like, yeah, this is, this is why it's good to be young. But last Wednesday night, a bunch of senior hires said, hey, we want to give our Wednesday night to giving junior high a phenomenal time. So seated there are a whole bunch of junior hires, a bunch of them first-time guests who had a phenomenal, fun-filled, laugh-filled evening that senior hires put on. Senior hires were the primary agents, and senior hires shared their testimony, and senior hires shared the gospel. Don't wait. Some of you think, oh, I'm not mature enough. No, I don't really know enough. I, stop it. What is God burning in your heart and go there and see what God surfaces. You with me? Greatness is going last and serving all. That's a character issue. And all of us ought to be striving for the same character, the character of Christ. But friends, we're not all the same people. The beauty of the body of Christ is the breadth of fletching and point represented at Christian Family Chapel. And God wants to shoot you out according to who he's made you. Don't shrink back. Don't think you have to wait. Just go and see what God surfaces. We do something here called Gifted for God's Glory. It's actually happening in this building, the deep building, a few rooms down. Matt Russell is teaching this morning and the next two weeks, the 29th of April, May 6th at 9.30 in this building to simply help us understand what burns in our heart and how is it that maybe God has gifted us. The point is not to take a class. <laughs> the point is to be shot out. The point of the class is to help you understand who God has made you to be. And I hope you're hearing me very clearly this morning. It's not, I'm not about to say, so we need 200 more people to do this. I am not looking for something from you. I desperately want something for you. That you would discover who God has made you to be. And you would know the incredible privilege of being an instrument in and through which God works. There is no greater joy than being an instrument in and through which God works. And you need not to sit around and go, oh, they're doing that, I should do that. You're not them. God is causing something to burn in your heart. What is it? If you're not sure, that's the whole idea here. You may go, well, I missed today. We know. Go next week. <laughs> go next week and go, I'm going to find out. Because very specifically next week, we're going to talk specific about how we go about finding out what does God burn in our heart. And then how we might exercise that. How we might learn how he's gifted us. So I hope you'll participate. Now. If you decide to go, 
there's this really funny thing that seems like nobody at the chapel's ever heard of. It's called registration. It's a big word, I know. What? We need to tell people we're coming? It, it helps. There's about 35, 40 people in the room this morning. You know how many people registered? Take a guess. One. One. Matt told me this morning, I don't know, this might be really awkward. One person is registered. I go, there's like 35, 40 people in the room. And so they're scrambling to make handouts and all that stuff. So I'm taking too much time, way too much time. You get my point? You get the heart of the passage, the characters that we go last and serve all. Uh, but that doesn't mean that we miss the fact that God has uniquely made us, that greatness in the kingdom of God and say, hey, I'll do anything. But what I want to do most is who you've made me to be. Taking a child, he set before them, taking him in his arms, he said, Whoever receives one child like this in my name does what? Receives me. You receive the child, you receive me. And really, not me, who? The Father who sent me. What's Jesus saying to his, to his men? How do you know really where you are when you're in relationship with the Lord? Well, I, I'm in four Bible studies a week. You know what? Who cares? That's not how Jesus measures your relationship. He's simply saying, hey, it's what you do with people. And to men, what you do with kids. Because you guys think that's woman's work. Did you miss that? Jesus is going, hey, this one right here that you think you don't have any need to serve? What you do with people you don't think you need to serve, that's the giveaway of where you really are with me. It's people, it's relationships. Which prompts a question. He's talking, Jesus says, you receive this child, you receive me. And, and John goes, oh, well, uh, uh, teacher, we saw someone casting out demons in your name and, and we tried to prevent them. We said, hey, stop it, Why? because they weren't following us. Now, did you catch this? They were doing this work in whose name? Jesus's name. So they were using your name and doing your work in your name, but they weren't with us. So we went, hey, you need to stop that. You know what Jesus said to that? <laughs> Don't hinder him. <laughs> For there is no one who will perform a miracle in my name. If this is work in my name, it, be soon afterward they would speak evil me, for he who is not against us is for us. In, in summary, what is Jesus saying to John? Stop stopping them. That's me at work. But they're not following who? Us. You have a credit card? I know you do. You have a credit card, right? <laughs> Whose name is on it? Hopefully yours. <laughs> if you have a credit card and it's not your name on it, you need to give it back. Because the name on the card is intended to designate that whatever this person says they approve, that's what they want. And what were the apostles saying? 
Hey, they're doing stuff. They're using the credit card, but whose name wasn't on it? Their name. It didn't say apostles. What name was on it? Jesus. And so Jesus is going, why are you stopping stuff that has my name on it? Well, because it didn't have our name on it. Uh, okay, guys, here, here's how you determine whether people are with you or against you. It's not whether it has your name on it, it's whether it has my name on it. Whoever gives you a cup of water to drink because of your name as followers of Christ, truly I say to you, he'll not lose his reward. In other words, God sees it and God is going to reward it because it's done in his name. Even if it's a cup of cold water, stop stopping it. Allies or opponents just simply ask, Jesus says, whose name is the work being done in? If it's the name of Jesus, that's good. Because once we, once we find out who we are as arrows, we can tend to go, man, I burn. I burn for orphans. And everybody who loves Jesus ought to burn for orphans like me. Mm -hmm. God does love orphans, right? And he loves unreached people. And he loves marriage. And he loves his word. And he loves healing. In other words, the gospel is never bigger than, more broad than Jesus. But the work of God is always bigger than you and I, folks. That's what we got. That's not bad. That's good. You ought to rejoice in that. You ought to rejoice that, that God is a lot bigger bigger than you, that we rejoice that God's a lot bigger than Christian family chapel, that God's a lot bigger than Bible churches. He's working in and through. But is he working through you? One verse and we're done. Say to Archippus, take heed to the ministry which you have received in the Lord that you may fulfill it. One of my favorite verses in the whole New Testament for this reason. Who in the world is Archippus? That's the point. Who in the world is Archippus? He is, he is a nobody to the vast majority of the planet, but he is an important somebody to some people because what does Archippus, who the vast majority of people will never hear, what's he have? He has a ministry from the Lord. Do you know yours? Archippus knew it. What was the challenge? Fulfill it. You can't fulfill it if you don't know it, but knowing it's not enough. You capture that? You got to know it and then fulfill it. Every generation gets a David or a Joshua or a Moses or a Billy Graham and a whole bunch of archipuses. Who's the greatest? The one who says, hey, I'll go last and serve all, and I will simply say, Lord, what have you burned in my heart? I'm going to give myself to it. Whatever you choose to do with that, that's up to you.
the opportunity is huge at Christian Family Chapel because there is more burning in your heart than you're fulfilling. And I know fear, and I know being a chicken, and I know shrinking back. I get it. I understand it. Faithful is he who has called you, and he will do it. 1 Thessalonians 5.24. Faithful is he who called you. He will do it. Don't shrink back. So, Lord, I pray that the coming days, weeks, years would be the joyful flurry of your people trusting you in new ways, stepping in to what you've placed in their heart. Not to gain approval, but because you have approved them. You have made them your children. You've made them an arrow. I pray that you'd shoot us out to the praise of your glory. In Christ's name, amen. Hey, if we can pray for you, always men and, avail- men and women available for prayer. If you're guest this morning, we'd love to greet you in a few moments out in the courtyard. God bless. Register. Our God is strong.